0: This hour of broadcasting brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by Vigilant Impact. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged, servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations. With your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original Church Security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry.
1: Well, hello. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and once again, joined by my co-host, Mike.
2: Good evening. How are you?
1: I am doing well, I think. How are you, how are well, you doing like, on, this, on this Sunday? It, it feels like it's been about a forever. year since we did a broadcast.
2: <laughs> I mean, I know we take some time off in December this past year for, for around the holidays and chance to recharge and renew, but uh, even with the uh, way the holidays fell this year and Mother's Day and Memorial Day and um, I traveled to a conference and and uh, it just was hard to put the show together. Um Remotely. It really was.
1: It really was. My my wife does uh, travel agent stuff on the side. And so um, coming out of COVID, uh, interestingly, there have been a lot of large companies that have been pushing uh, special discounts and deals to travel agents to get people, obviously to get people back uh, in certain areas, amusement parks, cruises, that sort of thing and so um we had we actually had an amazing op- opportunity and um that opportunity was actually on my wife's bucket list so you know how <laughs> there you go you know how um how that goes and what happens when when your wife's not happy so uh no it was she she actually got an a invitation from uh, i believe it was royal caribbean um, to, uh, to extremely discounted cruise to Alaska. And so again, that's one of those things where we've, we've always wanted to do it. We just haven't had the time and the resources. And so, uh, it was extremely affordable and kind of to that point where it was like, okay, I think now's the time we actually managed to, to carve out a week. We flew, flew up to Vancouver, um, British Columbia and then left uh from Vancouver up to a Ala- went up to Alaska and then came back down. So nice. it was it was really great. I unplugged most of the guys for those of you that are listening, most of the the folks associated with church safety guys like were texting me and saying don't you dare answer, don't respond right. to this email offline. Absolutely. So special special thanks to Mike and Jared and Glenn. And I think Dwayne was, was in there a couple of times too, where he was like, okay, you need to take time off, go enjoy. The world will not, you know, stop revolving <laughs> since you're away from a computer. Yep. So, and it was funny too, because real, real quick story. I, t- I told, um, I was talking to John Riley this past week and I, I told him, so uh, we went, we actually had a chance to go to a, um, a, a club or I guess it was a bar on the, on the cruise ship. And of course the bar, the bar part of it was closed. I didn't go there for, <laughs> for that. Um, but the, the interesting thing was it was actually the, it's the high, we found out it was the highest point of the ship. And so we, we had, uh, you know, glass windows, panoramic views, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so we were just sitting there like taking pictures, you know, we got a chance to see the mountains. We saw orcas, you know, playing in the, in the water and that sort of thing. And of course, a couple of people, a group of four or five people came up and, um, were rather intoxicated. And so my wife and I are sitting there just talking, you know, looking out, taking pictures and, and these folks jump in and, and start harassing other, other people in the cabin or other people in the club, you know, just making a big deal, being pretty obnoxious. And, um, so we're, I'm sitting there and, you know, I went to say, okay, let's, let's get up. You know, I was about that point. Like I'm kind of watching it. I'm like, it's so, they're being so loud. We need to just leave. And, um, a security, actually two security officers for the ship came in and walked up. And it was interesting because I sat there and I kind of watched how they deescalated the situation, how they handled it because their security, I mean, they don't carry firearms because they go internationally. So I think they had like handcuffs on them or whatever, but they came up and, and one of the guys, um, the, the folks that were, or folks that had been partying and drinking were like basically to that point where they were starting to, you know, get, you could just tell like their body tensed up. they were getting ready to start swinging and stuff. And I kind of looked over and I was like, you know what, if, um, if it comes to that, I will, you know, I will go over and I'll help the security guard, whatever, you know, I'll be on that side. Cause I kind of saw the whole thing. And so I was kind of like positioning myself to, you know, to to remove my wife and to go over and help the guy. And I watched and I listened to him for about five or 10 minutes. And I talked to, like I said, I talked to John Riley about it. And it was amazing to me that uh, they did a phenomenal job. Like both of the officers were uh, right, really right there. And they were like, Hey, let's talk about this. You know, why, why are you so upset? Why are you frustrated? you know, you need to go back to your cabin. And, and so they were able to, to very successfully deescalate the situation. And, um, it impressed me a lot with them, with, with the cruise line it impressed me on how they handle, you know, handle the situation and how they handled it. And, uh, it was very quickly resolved. There weren't any ramifications or anything from that. And, you know, my wife and I finished taking pictures and then (laughs) we went, you know, went, went back on to do our thing, but it was interesting to me. We're seeing like, I'm seeing more and more of that. And of course going different places and having that opportunity going on vacation, it's like, you're never, um, you know, you're never shut, shut off. Like you're always looking, you're always doing stuff. You're always, Um, you always need to be on alert, but to me, it was kind of interesting. I felt less than comfortable, even though it was Alaska. Um, it's a, there's a different culture. Uh, there's very much a firearm culture. And so, I mean, I went into, I walked into a grocery store and they were selling groceries right next to firearms.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a cold Texas. (laughs) (laughs) I think
1: it is. Although we had gorgeous weather. It was, it was probably in the seventies and there you go. Um, sunny and everybody was saying this weather never happens. So, you know, you've got a good week when, <laughs> when the locals are like, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be this way, but yeah. it is.
2: So,
1: so, yeah, we had, um, we had an awesome time. It was great to, to kind of recharge and, um, step away and, um, you know, from that, from that standpoint, Uh, My wife and I spent some good time together without the kids and just kind of relaxed and, and it was a good, it's good.
2: It's always good to recharge, renew, uh, you know, just have a chance to step away from it all and, and get that uh, additional energy back
1: for sure. So on this, on this broadcast uh, for uh, this Sunday, since we're back, uh, we want to talk about uh, leadership, and of course, that's something that we we usually try and talk about about once a month. And um, we've had uh, we've talked had the chance to talk to a few churches and and do assessments and different things like that, where uh, the question has come up um, about leadership, like why is it why is it necessary uh, to have leaders uh, or or individuals that are overseeing a safety team, why is it necessary to have it in the church? Um, you know, I've had people in the past say it's it's not a it's not a biblical concept, you know, you're being in charge of this or that or the other thing. And so um so for the 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 broadcast today or or the podcast, I just started thinking about it and I thought, you know, what if what if leadership didn't exist? And I want to kind of Dive down that that rabbit hole a little bit, and certainly, um, you know everything everything we do um, is is biblically focused, or we we do our best to make it biblically focused. So, uh, I want to start really want to start back in in Genesis, and I think it's interesting. Um, I'm not going to go verbatim certainly through every <laughs> every passage because if you google leadership in the Bible, there's a whole lot of stuff that comes up
2: it's a lot there and it could be its own book by itself
1: it could hey <laughs> no we're not I'm not writing a book on that I know right we already,
2: we already have a backlog
1: <laughs> so but what's what's interesting to me you know i I always like to go back to the the uh beginning obviously Genesis is the beginning. I like to go back and I like to look at God's character and I like to look at. What is God doing through his actions to set that example and require that standard? And so two things kind of popped up in when I started kind of looking through some of that, that content, some of that ideology. Uh, The first thing was when God created the the world, right? In the beginning, first couple of chapters, first three chapters of Genesis uh, God was very systematic and very orderly on what day he created what, and for sake of time, you know, I, we don't have time to go into every single day in the meaning, but if you do some research, and I would encourage everyone to do that, you'll see that on certain days, God did certain things in order. And then on the seventh day, God, God rested and said it was good. And so to me, that's, I always like to again connect everything back to the beginning. Um, but, and maybe that's in a perfect world you know, that's the, that's the system. And so we live in a fallen world and there are times when we need to adjust and, and overcome. And maybe that's where some of the hardship comes from, but right. in reality, when we look at it and we see that picture in that example, God is, is very organized and structured. And then when we move forward, we'll, we'll go next to the people of Israel when Moses had taken them out of Egypt. And again, that's in, in, uh you know Exodus Leviticus and in the next couple of of uh, books of the Old Testament um but when we move forward we're seeing that to move that vast amount of people out of Israel now i mean there's a lot of numbers out there um what i was seeing was saying mostly like about 2 million people right so you you think you know Moses couldn't by himself just do this right but what was interesting was that the people of uh, the Levites or, or what Leviticus is written after, those individuals had the responsibility of making sure that the sacrifices were taken care of, the worship, the, the church service, if you will, for the people to communicate with God and to have that, uh, interaction with God. And so when I look at that and you look at the detail that God was like, Hey, don't do this, do this. And obviously that's, that was setting up for, uh, the law and, and we can't obviously making the, the presence or making the, the, uh, the picture that, you know, we can't of ourselves, we can't be perfect. We can't do everything per se that God wants us to do, but there's a lot of, of really, um, fantastic things to think about from the standpoint of God, again, is very much into order and very much into staying away from chaos. And so, uh, if you remember at one point, Moses went up in the mountain to get the 10 commandments. He comes back down. The people had broken, um, really broken God's trust. They were worshiping this idol. Uh, Moses went to Aaron who was supposed to be in charge. And I know you're going to talk about failed leadership with, this. <laughs> but I'm thinking, you know, I think about that. And I think he, Moses comes back down the mountain and he's like, Hey, what's going on to the person that was supposed to be doing it. Right. That was supposed to be leading and he wasn't. And so Aaron says, literally comes back and says to him, uh look i just threw this stuff in a pot and this is what happened right and it's like dude even i know like i even knew had a little little uh child reading that that's like uh you know you accepted no accountability whatsoever for this being bad like this is this is a bad situation so
0: with over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations Thomas Alexander Insurance & Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance & Associates, your partner in service.
1: You know, to me, it's, again, there's, and there's several other things, several other areas, you know, in the old Testament, um, Exodus 18, uh, 15 in that chapter, but 15 specifically where Moses's father, and we've talked about this before, Moses's father-in-law comes to him and says, you're killing yourself. Stop you know, stop stressing yourself out. You have to have a leadership structure. You have to delegate. You have to trust people because you're burning yourself out and you're going to die. Like you're so weary from listening to people's problems and and imagine that like how how, I don't know how I would handle 2 million people coming to me with every single tiny little problem. (laughs) Like, like pastors. (laughs) Huh? I don't know. I've never had, uh, maybe, and maybe that's the blessing. I've never had pastors that came to me and were like, well, no, I'm saying people going, oh, people going to them. People go to the yeah. pastors all the time. Like that's well, what yeah. their ear is always
2: being talked off by every little detail.
1: Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of trust with setting up and building and coaching and mentoring and, and obviously that sort of thing. But, That's to me, and and that's kind of the low hanging fruit on the Old Testament, but, you know, we see structure, we see God being a God of structure and organization and being very detailed, very specific on how things should be, how they aren't happening. Um, And so we never see, and what's, what's interesting is the, the part about Moses father-in-law coming back to him. We never see anything in the old Testament about God disagreeing with that, right? God was very vocal about things. And that's, that's really one of the things that caught my attention was that we never see God coming back and saying to Moses, don't do what Jethro said. In fact, if anything, Moses was able to assign leaders. They assigned a leadership structure within you know, within the, the Israelites and it prospered, like God blessed it because there was order, there was structure. And, you know, if you go on, if you move, move forward to the new Testament, one of the the most well-known references I think is, is first Corinthians 1433, which Paul is saying that God is a God of order. He's talking about the church service and um, how things need to be done within the church. And, you know, in the New Testament, one of the key things is when a writer, whether it was Jesus or someone else, when someone said something and they repeated themselves, it was like, I'm not just saying this. But when you repeat yourself again, because of the the Greek uh, language and how it's how it's presented, uh, it was one of those things where it was like, "Okay, hey you know, I'm, I'm like smacking you upside the head, pay attention to what I'm saying, like that, that level of importance. And so in that passage in, first Corinthians uh, 14, which is right after, obviously the, right after the love passage, Paul, the apostle Paul is saying, look, services, church services, worship services need to have order. And he actually repeats himself and says it again, a few verses later. And he says, regardless of what you're doing, And how you worship, essentially, make sure that you are worshiping in a way that is uh, honoring to God and that way of worshiping that brings honor to God is through having order. And so when I when I think about that along those lines, um, that kind of tells me that, you know, it is important, like every ministry that's within the church should have leadership, should have direction, should have purpose. But again, collectively, all of those ministries should be unified and connected together as much as above, you know, above to the mission and the purpose of, of the church. So I'll throw it over to you and let you jump in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great to unpack and start with kind of theme text, with, not not to take the show down a uh, Sunday morning sermon part two. Uh, but <laughs> at the same point, there's a lot there that's worth anchoring ourselves to, of course, when we're understanding where do we go and what are we called to be as leaders? So really what I wanted to kind of add is that when leadership is lacking in an organization or in a ministry, that managing tends to fill in the gap. It's almost like it naturally just falls right into that gap there. And so oftentimes you may find it creates a bunch of issues within your team. Because, frankly, humans resist being managed. They want to be led. They want to follow. They don't want to be told, hey, you must do this, you shall do that. And so it's a matter of choice, and that free choice comes back biblically, of, cor- mm-hmm. of course, where we choose to take advantage or to listen and to follow. And so that, that's a big one for me is, is that idea that managing is sometimes the, the filler of that gap. Oftentimes, folks look at management and leadership and think of them as the same thing when, in fact, they're not. So when you try to manage a situation, uh, when you should be showing leadership characteristics, you'd often make the situation worse. And so you can find that kind of spiral or that rabbit hole of using the wrong tactics, using the wrong approach. And then it just makes the situation worse. Now, if we apply that in a crisis management mode, which as a safety team, hey, we're responding, we're dealing with something. Maybe it's not crisis level, but it, it could be something where, hey, we need to act in a positive way. Well, if you manage it and you're just managing those tasks, don't get me wrong, there's part to that process that does need management and oversight right. and scrutiny. But if you set an example and lead with your team, you're going to actually have a, a, a good pattern to follow. And now it's not just box checking but actually going out and delivering on a purpose, the why you are there. So we're big on, of course, ministry first, and we talk a lot about that. And I think the the opposite of that is that managers will often put themselves, their task, something that happened yesterday or the last service or at home on the way, car ride to church, they'll put that first. All those things become distractions versus the ministry, which is our, our first and foremost. So that leads to kind of a lack of, of vision. Um, managers often manage work. So all those things sure. we need to do on a Sunday morning, whether it's the rounds or whether it's uh, checking in with different ministry leads before they get started for the Sunday morning, we're going to, as leaders, try to equip and engage them on an ongoing basis, not just, again, check boxes. And then if from a manager, go ahead if you wanted to jump there.
1: Well, I was just going to say real quick, you know, I always used to say, I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. I always used to say, and, and for 13, 14 years, I was in uh, retail management, but you know, the difference, I used to say the difference between le- leadership or the term leading and managing was that managing, um, was just accomplishing the task. Like you're only doing that specific yeah. task and leadership is like coaching, you know, going along with, and, 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 essentially what you just said, just a different way of saying it. Sure. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's very easy and, and I'm not, <clears throat> and I know you're not discounting the, the necessity of doing activities. Like that's right. not what you're saying at all. I mean, we know we have routines and, and we have routines for a reason, But when we become too focused and this isn't, I mean, I'm not just saying, we're not just saying this out there. This is something that I've struggled with before, you Mm -hmm. know, overseeing a team, running a team. um, And, you know, just in general in ministry, you get so focused on procedures and policy and how Mm -hmm. we should do this, 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 and this, you know, cross, cross the T's dot the I's that we're forgetting that, that effective leadership, Effective hospitality, effective um, engagement comes from interacting with our volunteers, interacting with the folks that are visiting, and thereby, you know, boosting the vision of the church and the mission of the church, really.
2: Right. Absolutely. And and you said it right there is the kind of checking, doing things, getting stuff done. And that's the management mode of I have to get this done or these things sure. have to be done before I go home. And that so we get into very management mode. And I, I see that myself uh, as well uh, when it's in, in my own household. The tendency to go from being a leader in my household, a leader of of bringing my family to church, To Mm -hmm. just managing the task of getting the three, the three littles (laughs) out the door and wearing clothes and having the right, having shoes and, and not looking disheveled and getting them to church on time. That can get to be very managed, but I'm doing it with purpose. I'm doing it with intention. I'm trying to lean on the side from a leadership perspective. So it's not just about doing things. Mm -hmm. Leaders want to do the right things, right? So it's about identifying the things that need to truly happen and make those right choices and then do them well at the same time. It's about maintaining and developing people, not just maintaining. Okay. It's both.
1: And I think that's, I mean, honestly, that's the, that's the key. That's the difference, really the secret sauce, if you will, of having a, a, a successful, if I can say it, (laughs) a successful safety team because you're focused on doing the things that are, uh, immediate that are in front of you that are important. Right. But at the same time, you're also focused on, you know, those that are doing it with you. It's not just, uh, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to tell you to go do this. I, I always tried when I specifically had a team, I would always try and do, um, whatever it was that I was asking other people. So if I ask someone to go sit out in the parking lot, then I would work myself into that rotation and I'd go sit with them or I'd go, you know, out there and and do that shift as well. So I think that um, honestly, and I, I think that it's very easy, like you said, I mean, I, I do the same thing for, for my family and, and my kids aren't as young as yours are. It's like, you know, we have a my cousin here in uh, July, middle of July is getting married. And so um, we have essentially we have six schedules in our house. Right. And and I feel like an air traffic control guy because I've got a calendar where I've got my wife and my schedule, our work schedule. You know, my three daughters now have significant work schedules where they're, you know, running in and out to work, doing this, doing that. My son really doesn't have much of a schedule other than playing the, the switch and, and watching, um, Disney plus on occasion, which I've got to like, I finally said to him, I'm like, okay, you need to go grab a book. You need to do something non-electronic here. But what's interesting is for this wedding, I'm like trying to coordinate everybody's schedule. And finally, I'll tell you yesterday, um, I got really irritated, but, kept my composure with I had to RSVP for the wedding and so my parents are coming out and I was like and and I keep getting all these excuses like my kids are like no I can't do that because I've got this and I've got that and I'm like finally I just said no and they just kind of looked at me and I'm like this is what we're doing like your grandparents are coming out they're spending time with us and we don't have a lot of weddings to go to. So you took a day off to go to a concert of an artist that I can't even pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, so guess what? Your grandparents are going, you're going to spend some time with your grandparents and family. You're going to the wedding, Yep. you know? So, you know, at times it's funny. It's like that, patriarchal (laughs) like oversight. And I don't know, you know, I don't say that often and they know that. So from that standpoint, I said, you know what, it's important to me, not that you go to a wedding, um, maybe some, you know, people that you don't know, or, you know, you might not remember in the future, but spend time as a family because one day you'll, you'll look back and you won't have that time and you'll think, wow, I really wish I had spent more time with grandma and grandpa or, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, I mean, you guys live a little bit further away from, from your, your parents. So, you know how that goes for sure. But from, from a ministry standpoint, you know, bringing again, bringing that back in, you know, you have to, obviously we're not saying don't have some, um, some policies, some procedures, you've got to have an outlying structure uh, of uh, order in the sense of, you know, there has to be direction to understand and, and to function. And so many times, I mean, we, we do assessments and we've been doing them uh, very frequently lately, left and, really left and right. We've been doing a lot of them.
0: At Centurion Bible College, we're authentic about relationships. We're passionate on training. We're unapologetically biblical and as the first college in the United States to design an associates program in church safety and security, we're innovative. Explore Centurion Bible College and you'll find the tools to be better prepared to support your community and the mission of your church, the culture to help you engage with the people you serve with and the environment to foster learning and leadership. Discover Centurion Bible College today. Enhance and develop the skills to engage and connect with your community when they need you the most be intentional in your community with a ministry mindset, understand concepts of safety and security, and make a difference today. For more information or to enroll, visit centurionbc.org or churchsafetyguys.com. Um,
1: which is great, but, you know, in talking to some um, and talking to some churches you know there have been questions one of the questions i'll ask is you know what does your policies and procedures look like and i'll get like this deer in the headlights look and i have on a, a couple occasions and i'm like okay you're trying to set up a team but you don't have that foundation you don't have order to be able to connect everything to to understand what the importance is Uh, Because you can't train people, you can't have people do things consistently across the board um, in a safety and security environment and not have that. So you need to have that. But at the same time, also understanding that there's a certain connection as leaders, you know, you're enforcing that. But at the same time, by having that and you know, working with that individual, you're engaging with them to, to uh, accomplish a a much greater, much larger task. Absolutely.
2: Well, and and you're saying right there, the important things, and that's where I think there's another difference is that managers often are there counting the value and trying to say, Hey, I did this. Hey, I did that. And they're looking at the hash marks on their, uh, well, how many did I get inside the center ring? How many, uh, well, they're looking at all these stats and so they're trying to count value where I think leaders on the other side are more about identifying ways to create that value. So what is value? What is that value I can bring to my team? What is the value that I can bring to my church? What is the value I can bring to God and, and always looking at it from that perspective.
1: For sure. For sure. You were going to, I'll let you, I'll let you go on to what you were going (laughs) to say.
2: Well, and then it, then it looks at from our, we, we talked about response before, right. You're talking about policies and procedures and order and structure and so forth. But beyond that, once you're in place, once you kind of have that structure, once you're organized, you have those policies and procedures and hopefully are training regularly. There's another difference is, are you managing your team in a way as such you're likely to be reactive Meaning you're waiting for something to happen and you're going to react. Now we all have to react and be ready to be observing, orienting, and acting, uh, essentially. But are you doing things that are proactive? What are you doing to mitigate? Are you doing things around your facility to make sure that you're going to reduce the the risk of crime? Are you doing things that in your are you testing your policies and procedures in a proactive way to make sure that they actually will stand up? to the test of actually running them through kind of whether it's tabletop or a scenario where you're working through with your team. So don't wait for it to happen, work through it proactively. And then that way you've already kind of rehearsed some of those things when you get to that point. And then finally, if you're, you're running your team is you want to make sure you're continuing to lead because that's a, that's more of a matter of seeking influence. You want them to follow you as a leader. You're not seeking to hold power over their head as a manager.
1: And I think honestly, too, I'm going to jump on that real quick because I think that um, I think that's an excellent point. There's a difference between um, leading and serving with someone and with volunteers versus lording it over them. And I mean, we've all been in situations where we had individuals that were over us, whether it was at church or in ministry or at work or that sort of thing, where you just didn't get along with the person because you didn't see eye to eye. Right. Um, it's not about that. It's not about going and saying and doing something. Um, and certainly you don't want that, that interaction in the middle of an incident where, where you're trying to mitigate something, but it's, it's not about, you know, driving, driving the factor of saying, you know what, you need to do this because I said, you need to do this. You know, if you, if you get to that point where you're actually saying that, uh, then you've missed the boat somewhere, like somewhere along the line, there's been a train wreck and we, we need to get that train back on the rails. Um, because the truth is again, you're not Connecting, like if if I have to say that, and I'll use my kids as an example. I was just gonna if go I, there. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. Yeah. Um, if I have to tell my my son, if my son does something and and maybe he disobeyed or or maybe um, he chose poorly with his decision making process, if I have to tell him, hey, you need to go do this because I told you to do this. Now, if it's the second or third time. And it's our kids. I get that. <laughs> then maybe there's a little bit of latitude and leeway there, but at the same time, there are times when, um, when you're dealing with obviously adults, we're not we're we're talking about individuals that can think and and interact on their own without your direct oversight uh, or family oversight. Yep. But you know, when I'm interacting with someone, if I'm if I'm talking to a volunteer or something like that. It shouldn't you know, there shouldn't be an interaction where I'm like saying, look, you need to go do this because I said to like if they don't understand it to that point, then you need to try and re explain it so that they understand it. Because in truth, if they go do something or try and do something, I would almost guarantee 100 percent that it's not going to turn out the way you wanted it to turn out because they didn't understand it they may not be pushing back now. I mean, there, there's always exceptions to every rule, but they may not be specifically pushing back on that thing. It could very easily just be one of those things where I don't understand the, the reasoning behind why we're doing what we're doing and, and what this looks like and, and uh, what the, what the potential end result would be. And maybe at that point, that's where you say, okay, you know what? let's have a conversation about this real quick. If you have time, if you don't have time, then it's very easy to say, you know what? I'd love to explain this to you more, but we're tied up. We've got to get this done quickly. Can we come back to this? Like, can, can, could you do this activity? And then uh, I will swing back around later. And we can sit down and chat about this when we have a little bit more time. And that's fair. Like if you have somebody, if, if, if one of your volunteers or one of your folks is, frustrated and they're like, well, no, I want to know now, you know what? That person probably shouldn't be on the safety team. I mean, in all fairness, because it's like, you know, we all need to be flexible. We all need to be understanding and realize that there's, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. So.
2: I think it translates not just to the line level, the volunteer themselves, but all the way even to leadership. So back to the purpose of the show tonight is without leadership, I'd kind of argue that your team is already in crisis because if you, if you're lacking leadership, you're probably already in crisis or management mode as a team. Um, By someone like
1: someone's doing it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm,
2: and you may have, it is a couple of different ways. You kind of spoke to it from, from the, the volunteer perspective of somebody who's unable. Well, if they're unable, they either don't possess the necessary leadership skills or understanding of how to do it as a leader. If they're unable to lead or they need to be equipped further. So maybe they're just not ready to fully lead. And so they they drift back mm-hmm. to those things in, that I started with, kind of on the managing side. If you have somebody who is kind of equipped but unable, well, that may be a bad leader. They've been equipped, they've been taught, they've been coached, they've been trained. Maybe they can be some more coaching. Maybe there can be some more uh, uh, guiding and over time. But the lack of leadership is really a whole different ballgame. So that lack mm-hmm. of leadership, especially during a time of crisis, as I mentioned a bit earlier, that can be devastating and really lead to an even bigger crisis. You can make a bad thing worse because you don't have the right leadership. And then finally, if, you're, if you have somebody from a leadership perspective who is just unwilling, very often we tend to focus on the perspective that it's just, oh, they're apathetic, they have no interest in leadership whatsoever. Okay. Well, that's not always the case. Sometimes there, you may have individuals that are potentially situationally uh, or risk averse. So to that sense is not, not all risk, but the risk of leadership. And the risk of leadership is around, hey, I'm fearful of what it might do to my relationships. I'm fear- fearful of what it might do to my image. I'm fearful of what it might do. if uh, Am I going to be blamed for the entire team? Those sorts of things are potentially things that can be mitigated and coached, uh, and then take that person who has that aversion or that risk up to leadership and kind of train them or coach them out of it. And you may find that you have somebody who's now willing and able to be equipped.
1: And that's honestly, that's, that's the truth. I mean, we're, I don't think I've, I was going to say we're and go in, in collectively, but I, I'll say, I'll say it from my perspective, I don't think I've ever had a day serving in safety and security. And this, this might sound, I don't know, crazy to some people, but I don't think I've ever had a day where I wasn't fearful of something. And when I say fearful, it's not, Oh, I'm scared that this isn't going to work out or maybe we have to problem solve and figure something out because I, I, I thrive on that. I love the, the potential, you know, okay, throw me a problem. Let's problem solve. Let's make this better. Let's fix it. Let's let's move forward. And maybe that kind of makes me a little bit unique and, and kind of weird, but at the (laughs) same time, I don't go looking for problems. (laughs) I, (laughs) I like, I like a quiet Sunday, trust me. But when I think about it and when I think through, okay, you know, not a Sunday goes by that I'm not scared or or nervous, I guess nervous is probably a better word, nervous about something because there's so much going on and, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, again, we would have never thought necessarily about having a safety team. Now we do. Our society has changed and our culture has changed. So that makes us more apprehensive of, you know, doing things, doing things the right way, responding correctly, doing that sort of thing we wanna make sure that the folks that we're serving with are truly engaged. We wanna make sure that we're motivating them and we wanna make sure that we're actually um, connecting with them because there's probably, if your church is like my church, uh, there's probably at least six or seven other ministries that they could go serve in, right? And so safety and security is an investment. Uh, it's a, it's a thing where we, we invest, we train someone, we want them to stick around and serve in that capacity for a long, long period of time. So we don't want to do anything to kind of kick them out unless, you know, they need to find another ministry to serve in. Cause that's just not a, not an appropriate ministry for them. But the, the truth is, um, how, how you have yourself set up with You know, we call it in the four pillars, we call it operational excellence with policies and procedures, how that's set up makes a lot of difference. If, if you're trying to get people in and, and I'll, I'll throw this out there real quick. If you're trying to recruit people for your organization for, and I say organization in your church, you're trying to recruit people for safety and security and people aren't interested or aren't connecting in that ministry to volunteer it's very possible that you could have a climate culture aura of no leadership because when you don't have policies and procedures, when you don't have that connecting leadership, oftentimes when you're trying to get somebody to come in from the outside, we don't always see it because we're like, you know, like that ton of vision. Like I'm focused yep. right here on serving and doing this and doing that, but bringing someone in from the outside oftentimes can be very revealing to say, hey, look at all of this. Tell me what I'm doing good. Tell me what I'm not doing good. Help me out here. But oftentimes when we bring those outside people in, they get a different opinion or approach on how you do stuff. And that doesn't mean you necessarily have to change. But my point is that oftentimes people, volunteers can sense instability, for lack of a better word.
2: Absolutely. Well, with leadership becomes responsibility. And we have responsibility to handle things differently and to approach it all differently. So I think with that, I have uh, six keys for good leadership (laughs) and what it brings. So uh, all are going to be E's, of course, shocking. Uh, (laughs) um, Or R's, not tonight, E's tonight. Uh, Engagement. James talked about it already. Enablement. Are they ready? Are they, do they have the right amount of training and can they do the job successfully or are they set up to fail? Are we encouraging them to make sure they feel like they're, they're ready for this? Are they uh, being appreciated empowerment? Are they given that opportunity to truly step up and take that opportunity and do the role with leadership becomes, uh, comes good efficiency. You're going to be able to do things smarter and better and wiser. And then most importantly, with good leadership, there's empathy involved. It's not, again, about you must or you shall. It's compassion. It's understanding. It's having empathy for your team and understanding life happens. Situations happen on Sunday morning. Not everything's going to go perfect all of the time. And you shouldn't be so rigid that 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 takes you off your game. So six keys.
1: Well, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on empowerment real quick. Cause I don't, I don't feel like we've talked too much about that. Um, but the truth is that that team, that ministry should operate and things should happen well when you're not there. And that doesn't always happen. I mean, that's, there are times when you do have to go back and you have to acknowledge and, and say, you know what? We made a mistake. This didn't operate. This didn't happen the way it should have happened. Right. Um, instead of basking in the misery of failure. Right. Cause we all hate failure. We all want to be successful, whatever we're in, take a step back and say, okay, this failed, but how right. can we fix it? How can we move forward to do this better? And we've had that before too. We've had situations. I, You know, I took two years ago, I took a Sunday off to, to go, um, actually go canoeing with my, my family, my kids. I wasn't there. We had a medical at the church. We had a medical emergency happen and there were some opportunities with how it was handled by the the folks that were there. So when I got back, I sat down with people, key people and said, okay, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. Tell me what happened. Let's look at everything. But the, the truth of it is with the empowerment piece, we can't do everything ourselves. Even if right. you're the only safety person or security person connect with someone else that is good with leadership or leading people and, and maybe do a, a first aid class. If, you know, if it's a smaller church, do a first aid class with them, but so that you have somebody else there. That's potentially trained to, to know how to step in and do stuff. There's certainly plenty of different things that you can do, but if you do have an established team that you're trying to connect with and whatnot, empowerment is a very, very powerful, um, training, training item, uh, training attribute. Because if I empower somebody to do something, I'm giving them the authority to be successful. And of course, I'm not just going to throw it at them and say, hey, take this and and walk away. But I'm going to make sure that they're they're successful with the results of that. And so that's really where, you know, in a sense, coaching and discipleship can can come in too, because I'm focused on on that and helping them be successful with whatever task it is to. Sure you know, empower them so that they're comfortable with whatever they might be afraid of. And I think honestly, you know, the, the efficiency and empathy, empathy, you know, those, I could very easily connect and I won't because of the sake of time, but I could very easily connect those back to servant leadership, right? We have the, we have the resource, the book on servant leadership, and there's basically 10, 10 keys. One of them is empathy, and it's like understanding and knowing that look things happen you know I, I i can't beat somebody up for not being there at church like when my <laughs> when my schedule is is perfect i've got 10 people serving i'm ready to go i'm ready to hit this day and five show up and the other five call off sick or have something happen or whatever yep i can't be non-empathetic because if i am I'm basically chipping away at that individual's reserve for patience towards me and leadership. So I have to be relaxed enough to say, you know what? Okay. Those five people, they didn't show up. I guess they had stuff go on, you know, now I'll reach out to them and I'll connect with them. But the truth is, okay, I need to be understanding to move forward and say, okay, I still need to get done what I have to get done today. How can I do that with five people? And how can I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stomp my feet. I'm not going to babysit someone either, you know, to an extent, if someone wants to serve on a particular ministry, they need to be responsible as well. So there's, there's always a fine line balance and I, I'm not trying to paint this rosy picture of, Oh, this is how, you know, every, every situation is unique and different um, for sure. But at the same time, uh, applying those and, and really trying to look at, um, do a deep dive and look into, okay, what's the culture like of this team? What's happening? Is there engagement? Is there enablement? You know, are we encouraging? Are we empowering that that's the difference of getting someone or having someone actually, uh, serve on a regular basis? Like you'll, you'll have them, um, you'll have them coming back for a long, <laughs> a long time. If you, if you apply those different things, uh, that's a, that's an amazing way to connect with them. Yeah, so absolutely. I'll, I'll throw it over to you real quick. You can throw in your, your closing thoughts and then I'll wrap it up.
2: <laughs> well, it, yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack with the different, different parts of the show tonight, but I think there's, there's so many, pieces there and there's, there's so much material out there on leadership. So we're, we're by no means uh, uh, bringing it all forward, but highlighting some of the things that are important and really looking at it from that reverse. What happens if I don't have that leadership? So if I don't have that leadership, is your team growing? Are they being challenged and are they actually going to be able to rise to the experience that they might face one day? So Think about it through that perspective and that responsibility that we are, have as leaders to sow that leadership mindset into our team. And then as a, as a final thought is really that I often find that in my own walk that if I feel like, you know what, I'm not leading or I'm not following the call that I have and I'm not perfectly in line with what God wants, I, th- I think God puts stuff on our plate to manage frankly in other words i feel like i end up in a period of time where it's managing chaos managing stress some sort of thing that goes wrong Uh, whether it's the ac goes out i have to replace and manage a dishwasher install and like (laughs) all those things happen and i get it happens to everybody but i feel like at times it's like you have that feast or famine mindset at times where i feel like there's times of feasting And it's really where it feels like everything's going right and and things are aligned and you're leading and following God and you feel like you're directly uh, uh, in that call. And then there's times where you feel like for whatever reason, there's drift. And that's the time I feel like God puts things to manage on your plate.
1: I think that. That's probably a a whole separate episode It could be <laughs> <laughs> on its uh, on its own by itself standalone standalone episode. so for next next month, <laughs> when yeah. we talk about it no i I mean I agree with you. I think that you know the the in and i I spoke a little bit about this with um with the book coming back, and you know we're working on a few other presentations uh, collectively because we have, uh, several conferences coming up and, and different things like that, that we're, we're trying to plan for, for next year, for the end of this year, et cetera, et cetera. And to me it's, it's hard, but you know, when you're, when you're looking at stuff, um, and you're trying to have a positive attitude and you're trying to move forward with it, oftentimes the ministry, like the people that you work, work, or serve with work with serve with those are the individuals that kind of take the brunt of that frustration. And so it's sometimes it can be really hard to, to be metered and to just kind of be um, encouraging. But at the same time, like with my emotions, like I'll come in and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I just had a horrible week, you know, but I've got to get in this right mindset to serve because otherwise I'm not going to have discernment or wisdom in handling what, what I handle. But to me, when you look at that, it kind of makes you kind of makes you more personal, 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 uh, from the standpoint of, you know, stuff happens to everybody. You know, we, we all have good weeks and bad weeks and realistically, um, there are times when, you know, again, when we've, we've had situations where I've stepped in, where I've, I've had a leader call me and say, you know what, I, I just, I've got this going on right now and I can't be focused enough on, you know, this at church. And so I, you know, I would step in and say, okay, I've got this. And there've been times when I've said that, you know, I'm, I'm working on a family situation or this week has been a horrible week. We had, you know, the car break, the dishwasher break, the freezer shut down. (laughs) If I had, if I had a dog, it probably would have had a vet bill (laughs) or something, something crazy like that. But the, the, the truth is looking at it as a whole um, we have to be real. We have to be transparent and we, we're all learning, right. We have to, we have to learn how to handle things together and understand that, you know, none of us are perfect. And as we do ministry, as we do things together, um, leadership is important. Direction is important, but how we do that is even more important. And so (laughs) we, we want to make sure that we, we keep a positive attitude, but at the same time, um, do things in a way that that certainly brings glory and, and honor to God and supports the ministry and, and why we're here. So, but with that note uh, we definitely appreciate you all hanging out with us uh, on the broadcast. And certainly you can reach out to us through our website, which is church And we're happy to help you. However, we can help your, your ministry, uh, your house of worship, Uh, There's plenty of resources on the website. There's plenty of resources on uh, our, in our social media groups, and then also the church security app. And much of what we talked about today, really on this podcast kind of connects back to the four pillars book, which I will shamelessly plug for a second and throw on my, (laughs) throw on my uh, camera there so you can see it. Um, But definitely, uh, consider getting a copy of that. And then we have a devotional study guide group group study, uh, that goes along with that as well, that can kind of help guide you through some of, of what we talked about on this, this broadcast. And, uh, if we can help you out with any of that, again, please reach out to us and let us know we're happy to do that on next week's broadcast. We will be back next week. Um, this past this last time, it was kind of weird how it worked out because we had mother's day and then Memorial day. And there was one in there that it just wasn't going to work for Mike and I to both be on. I think I was in Alaska and he had stuff going on. So the, um, the month of June, I think we have father's day that we're taking off, but otherwise, you know, clear, clear on sailing every Sunday night, 7. PM Eastern standard time. Next week, uh, we are actually talking to a gal on uh, handling domestic disputes in the church and domestic um, incidents. And so uh, we were actually, I was able to connect with a, a domestic abuse survivor. And so she's going to come on the broadcast and actually talk about her her situation. And um, her. she's got an amazing story, fascinating story about how, uh God really protected her and and took her out of an, a very abusive situation. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was it's I think you I think you'll enjoy hearing that because it's it's a pretty awesome story. Well, it's good so. to hear
2: from the from the other perspective, if we're trying to think through the lens of what are we trying to protect against and what might happen and where are we going? So sometimes it's really good to hear a real world story about what did happen sure. and That can help shape that mindset.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's it. It is, and I think one of the—I don't want to give too much of it away—but I think one of the keys with it was um, she did. She did attend church, and people at church saw it, but didn't do anything. And in the situation, and so um, I asked her. She she was kind of like, "Well, what you know? Why do you want to talk to me?" And I said, "Well." because of exactly what you said like yep. if they weren't successful like what do, what can we look for what do we know like you lived through this and came out of it uh, you know god was god was gracious and and protected you in in so many ways and got you out of that situation so how can we be more responsive and and understand and and be supportive as well so uh but yeah she great great um great speaker and i'm looking forward to to having a chance to talk to her next week. So you definitely want to join us for that and as always we will uh, we will talk to you next week. So have a great week. God bless.
0: Take care. We'll talk to you soon. This hour of broadcasting brought to you by 2wayradiocenter.com, a Motorola value added reseller. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams, join the discussion online, and connect with us on social media. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart. A mindset of ministry and separate disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.